Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. I have a surprise for you listeners. We have a great guest today, Mr. John Walkinshaw. He is broadcasting live. He, is, he actually hooked together his, uh, his team of Huskies, and he, he pummeled <laughs> through the 14 feet of snow in Canada, and he's actually and he, you know, cracked the ice off of his igloo, because I don't even know what the temperature there is today, and he's made it to the podcast today. And, and John has got a great story to tell. He's one of the. He's a longtime coaching client of uh, my wife Julie, and she is. He's one of the hand. I shouldn't say this because the other coaching clients that she has will get jealous. But she's one of the handful of clients that Julie will tell me about the coaching calls. Not everyone, but most of them after the call happens. So she'll give me a debrief on what happened this week with John, or she'll tell me about some big deal he got together, or something that a normal agent would never be able to figure out how to put together. And and you know, here it is, John, that's putting together these kind of interesting deals. And and I was so happy uh, to hear that he is now being honored as. And John, I know you're going to be Canadian, so you're not going to let me uh, overly puff you. But here in this particular case, you are honored as being what the number one agent, or like one of the number three or four agents in your in this massive brokerage in Canada, so I'll let you pick up from there. Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure to chat with you. I've been listening to your podcast uh, for probably five years, so it's it's nice to talk to you direct. I feel like we're friends, but we haven't actually spoken previously. So you and tell yes, them where I'm, the bro- I'm, yeah, Go ahead. Yeah, so I'm part of Royal LePage RCR uh, Realty. Um, we've got... Um, uh, there's about a thousand agents total, but there's about 500 in my region essentially. Um, and as non-team, because I'm not a team, um, I I believe I am the uh, the number one agent for the past couple of years. So um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's been fun. So but here's the fun part, actually, the interesting thing. You came to real estate when you were in your late 40s, correct? Can you tell them a little bit about your background and what you did prior to selling real estate? Yep, absolutely. I uh, I spent 27 years in the automotive industry. Um, I spent 23 years uh, going through all the different levels of the uh, Royals of a Chevrolet Cadillac store. Um, at that time, Oldsmobile as well. Um, and you know, kind of ended up as the general sales manager. There was no more opportunity to grow in that business, and I went to a local Honda dealership as the general manager and spent four years there. Um, and interestingly enough, I was let go um, because of a, you know, bit of a change in the corporate structure. Um, and at 47, after, you know, all the accolades that I'd had in the automotive industry and then just being let go completely out of the blue, I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to go back to the automotive industry and decided to get back into real estate. And although it was terrifying, it's the absolute best thing that I've ever done. Well, you know, there's actually a lot of people that come to real estate with similar backgrounds where they just basically get tired of having to count on somebody else for their future. And they realize one of the best things is actually a double-edged sword. One of the best things for real estate 
is you can work as hard as you want and generally speaking earn as much money as you you know possibly can by being of service to other people but the flip side to it is there's no one really you know especially the way the industry and brokerages are set up there's no one really forcing you or holding you accountable to doing anything and that's the reason the failure rate's so high so how did you go yep. from I mean, selling cars at the high level obviously requires a lot of discipline too but it's different. It's it's less structured than real estate because at least when you sold cars, you had to be there during a certain amount of time, and there's people all the exactly. way around. You know, always look. Yeah. So how did you tell me about that transition? What was that like going from you know one environment to the other, albeit still in sales? Right. So for me, being a you know sales manager and being a general manager, I always tried to set the bar with. You know, if I'm the hardest working person in the place, then it almost guilts everybody else into working, you know, at least 80 or 90 percent as hard as I do. So I would usually be the first one, you know, to turn on the lights and the last one to turn them off. And, um, you know, in our world, the first one to be out there brushing off the the cars from snow and all that type of thing, whereas, you know, my role didn't necessarily say that that's what I should be doing. But um, so when it came to the real estate business, I decided that, you know, I was going to actually pay for an office. I was going to show up at 830 every day, regardless of whether I was, you know, if I had appointments for that day or not. Um, and I was just going to, you know, fake it till I make it. And I, I literally never missed a beat as far as the amount of time that I spent doing what I do. But the difference is real estate affords me the time that I can disappear for a few hours midday and, you know, do those types of things that I wasn't able to do in, in my past life. So it's been really, really great that way. You know, it's, I think a lot of people find it shocking how little somebody makes selling a car. And I don't know what it is in Canada, but yeah. in the United States. I, uh, so how, for when, you sell, when you sell a new Honda, how much does someone make on average when they sell a single, you know, unit? Probably somewhere in the range of 500 bucks, depending on bonuses and stuff. Yeah. Um, the average salesperson in Canada sells eight to ten cars a month, um, and that's you know that's an average. A, a, a very significant performer selling 20, and they're pretty busy to do that. Uh, so yeah, the, you're definitely capped as far as uh, your income, yet you know you're you're never capped as far as the amount of hours you're putting in trying to chase chase down those leads and all that type of thing. So there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of really positive benefits. Um, you know, being the general manager uh, for me really honed in my business skills and financial statements and all that type of mindset. And I bring that to my real estate business where, you know, I, I, everything everything has a place and, and every decision I make is based on profit, not on ego. Um, and I'm very conscious of that day to day. Because I know there's a ton of people that just seem to spend so much money and energy and time and, you know, and distract themselves from their real true purpose with their ego chasing. So I'm really cautious about that. Yeah, you obviously, you know, you're a coaching client and a long-term listener, too, so you know that's a recurring theme. But it is kind of fascinating yep. how many people run their decisions, like the, the filters they're running, what they you know, they think they can make business decisions, but at the end of the day, they're just being manipulated through their ego. Can you give an example or you, can you tell the listeners how you know how to run, you know, separate those two in your mind so you know you're just not buying a pretty shiny thing because it makes you feel good, how you're actually leading with profit? Can you discuss to the listeners from a business perspective how you do that, keep your head clear? Yep. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, there's obviously every literal decision that we make in the business is is based on that. But I mean, even something as simple as as you know my my Christmas party that I run, um, you know, we invite a couple hundred people or more. We actually invite probably four or five hundred people, and we end up having you know two or three um, that that usually can attend. Um, and we just we just um, you know have free hamburgers and hot dogs and everybody gets a free Christmas tree and we, you know, relationship together and, you know, spend time. Everybody brings their families. I'm more than happy when, you know, I I'm dealing with one person. I say, Oh, can I bring my sister and her kids? And, you know, that's fantastic. The more the merrier, it just costs me a few extra hamburgers. Um, <laughs> but it's a great opportunity. And, and, you know, the decision to do that, it's, it costs me a, a fair bit of money but at the end of the day, it's really cheap advertising, and it's a really way to go deep with your with your clients and or potential people that they bring. Um, and it's you know it's just a nice environment. So again, so that's an expense that we do, um, but it has a return, or we wouldn't do it. And there's so many advertising opportunities, especially. Um, you know, branding and all the different calls you get every single day of the week um, that we we filter through that. Is this going to make me more money or not? Well, and talk about isn't. that, John. Talk. It's not often yep. that I get somebody that's got your background and, you know, business knowledge and thinking clearly and not – I mean, you know what – listeners, I hope you're hearing he knows what he doesn't know. And you, if you're listening to what he's saying, he's actually taking the time to make to check gut check himself. That's what you're hearing him express is how he goes about doing it. So the fil- the first filter when, that I heard you say basically is you're you're going through there and you're trying to you're determining for sure whether or not you can see a direct correlation between the money you spend and the profit that you make. And and Absolutely. when you guys run through it, that's so John right there that knocks out 99.9 percent of all the things you're ever solicited to purchase does it not yeah yep yeah That's especially it. websites just comes to mind like you know yeah. i i would really love to have a couple funky you know really neat cool things that i would do with my website but i i've done the research to know that i don't get enough traffic to justify i've got a website that's professional and you know and and you know, hits all the boxes on what's necessary, but tricking it out with thousands of dollars worth of fancy other things isn't good value because I'm not getting enough eyes on it. And spending right. money to send people to that isn't as important as getting my phone to ring. So we do, you know, different types of advertising and we monitor and track to find out, you know, where our leads are coming from so that we know to do that type of thing again or not. So, you know, it's to so me that it's, if if it's all about profit and it should be, why are we getting up in the morning if we're not actually trying to make a living and you know and do the things that we want to do? Um, you know, throwing the money away on on chasing you know the next thing that strokes our ego just doesn't seem like a good play for me. So when you said branding and whatnot, and you know that the you you've determined that those things do not have a clear defined return on investment, and they don't, listeners. None of those things do. No. When you're when those things are being offered to you, listeners, pay attention. When you ask them a business question like what you know John would ask, they're not going to give you a clear answer. They're going to tell you it's one of those things you just have to do repetitively and over time somehow magically, mystically through witchcraft and alchemy. You're going to sort of carve out this permanent spot in everyone's psyches in your particular market that when they think real estate, they think of you. I mean, that is in essence what their pitch is. And guys, it's just not true. That's not how actual behavior takes place 
with consumers. So, John, can you drill down on that a little bit? Because the branding thing, you came, you basically have flourished in the industry during the peak of a lot of, you know, just utter malarkey. You know, you've got the team thing, you've got the yeah. branding thing, you've got the social networking thing. You haven't really d- deep dived into any of that stuff, and yet you've become one of the most successful agents. And I'm going to say it. I, I know you're going to try to, you know, cut me off the knees when I say this, but one of the most successful agents in Canada. That's just a fact. Yeah. Well, so how yeah, how have you? Sure. You know, obviously people put pressure on you to do these things. You probably get literal peer pressure and professional pressure to do these things. How yep. do you know for sure that these things, like, can you you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. So uh, from a branding perspective, um, I I would it, it, I can spend advertising money and 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 pretend to brand myself, and I get a lead that, in my opinion, you know, so let's say somebody emails me or or calls me as a result of a branding type scenario, the odds of me actually doing business with that person or even getting, you know, deeply engaged with them at some level is very low. The other energy and money and time that I put into things that, that get a client that's in a different scenario is more helpful. So, you know, I do a ton of volunteering in my community. Um, You know, I'm, I'm way more likely to, you know, meet somebody through something like that that I'm doing. And when I, when I have an opportunity to, to, you know, come into contact with somebody through, you know, sponsoring something and being at the event to be able to, you know, participate and all those different types of things, it's just so much better value to me. And when, it, when you get a, somebody that says, oh, I'm interested in, in talking to you about real estate, and they put their hand up as someone that you could actually talk to, your your chances of closing them on dealing with you is like a thousand times better than just some random lead that came from some branding thing. Um, and branding's never ending. You know, there's you can just keep right. throwing money into that hole and it's never going to fill up. Um, whereas, you know, why do agents I, do it, John? With me, yep. Well, logically though, everything you're saying makes perfect sense. You you cannot find a yep. person on the face of the earth that could actually say what you're saying does not make perfect sense. It's so obviously true. So why do you think in yep. your opinion, because you, you have tons of agents obviously are you know, looking up to you in your own market, but then now you're going to have tens of thousands that are going to be listening to this in replay. Why do they do it? Why do they, why do they kind of fall prey to this whole branding scheme? Well, I think, I think they, they see other you know, companies that brand and brand well. Um, and I guess if you're buying a bottle of pop, that's a good thing, but you know, when you're dealing with something that's as significant as a real estate transaction, I think a referral from someone um, who you know has been in contact with you has 50 times or a thousand times the value that you know that it would have if somebody just happens to know you're in real estate. You know, even in our little sleepy town here, we've got hundreds and hundreds of real estate agents. So, you know, how much money do you have to spend where you're the only name that comes to mind? It's I, I just I think chasing that is is not good value for your time or your money. Even if you are the only agent that comes to mind, that does not mean they're going to call you, listeners. So I'm going to give no. you guys a little. This is and again I'm going to have to just pull this from my memory. And this is not apps. Just give me some levity on this, okay? So listeners, here's how it actually works. When you're deciding, let's say today you have to hire 
um, a vet to fix your dog, right? Something's wrong with your dog. Nothing life-threatening. You don't need to worry about it. And let's say you're – like Julie and I moved to Puerto Rico four months ago, and we have a dog. <laughs> this literally happened. And, and Ollie had some sort of health problem. And uh, there were ads for vets uh, in the local paper. There were ads here and there. But that isn't how Julie went about finding – and uh, the vet, she actually ended up asking some of the um, parents of Zoe's, you know, peers at school who have pets who have, were in similar situations. Where did you find your vet? Who is the vet that you're using? And that's how she went about making the decision. Now, had Julie not been able to, you know, find a vet from the uh, referrals that she was seeking, then she may have responded to an ad. That's been the same pattern that everybody since the beginning of time has used to go, go about making their purchase decisions, and they're still following that exact pattern now. So the statistics work something like this, that like 50 or 75% of all purchase decisions are made based on a, a, a referral from a trusted friend or an advisor. So what happens is the decision-making tree is the first thing that people do is they ask themselves, again, we can use this vet thing. So Julie asked, do I know a vet? The answer was no. Okay, so that's, that's off. Now what am I going to do? Do I have somebody who I can ask for a referral? And that's what she did, and she found a vet through the referral source. Now had none of those people had a uh, referral, then she may have responded to an ad. So the way it works, and there's been tons of studies that have been done on this, and this, has been, this is not new information. This information has been around for – 50, 60 years, is that essentially what you look at essentially the way it works is like the first big chunk of people, like 25% of the people will make a decision who to hire based on their previous experience. And then like 50% or 60% make a decision who they're going to hire based off a referral from a trusted friend or advisor, and the rest might respond to an ad. So if you look at this logically, and I, my numbers are not correct, actually I think something like less than 10% respond to an ad. An ad includes social networking. An ad includes a Yelp ad. An ad includes anything that's an ad, guys. So most people, you included, make your decisions based on someone you – a referral from a trusted friend or advisor. You ask everyone – who they use when it comes now if it's something that's trivial then obviously you're not seeking advice from other people but selling your house buying a house not trivial you're always going to go to advice you know seeking advice from people you trust that's just how humans operate you need to listen to and that as far listeners. as holding your commissions yeah. i think that you're much more likely to you know to have a easier conversation on on getting paid you know what you need to do than you would if you're just if it's somebody responding to an ad. You know, you're nobody. Right. You're just one of several people. They're probably shopping. Um, whereas with a strong reference, you've got a much better client that you're dealing with. It's going to be an easier your, road, and there's confidence already be pre-built in. You just have to kind of accent that a little bit and reiterate it, and away you go. So let's talk about what you're actually doing. You mentioned the Christmas tree, and everyone wants to know about lead generation, right? And it's so funny yep. when I ask lead generation questions from my uh, podcast guests, everyone's always looking for the easy button. People are just looking for the what's the postcard that you do where you get all the listing calls or what's the email or what's the thing that basically is passive that will require no effort on my part that just basically makes the money pour in, right? I mean, they're always looking for the shortcut. Um, so listeners, when you hear somebody that's actually operating at this level, one of the top agents in his country, you need to be listening to what he says and do what he does. Don't try to go to Facebook and start coming for ideas that will require no effort. So, John, what are the things that work best for you? And be as specific as you can for lead generation. Yep. Um, I'm, I've got a heavy, heavy spoke of, um, of past clients and, and friends that I deal with. 
Um, again, a lot of my business comes from referral and from people that have known me. Um, which I, I, so I, when I go to a restaurant and and I get something that's maybe not perfect, I don't rip the face off of the server and make a big scene because at the end of the day, all of the people in that restaurant would judge me on that. And so many salespeople that I've met, you know, they 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 just make bad mistakes on certain types of things. So for me, you know, living your life in a in a friendly way and you know being very complimentary and being thankful. Um, you know, being genuine, it has to be genuine with the people that you know, and then kind of earning the right to ask them, is there anybody you know that's going to be transacting in real estate in the next few months? If you ever hear of anybody, I'd be honored if you would send that person to me or give me their name, I'd be happy to call. Um, I do a lot of videos, um, which I do market on Facebook. Facebook seems to be the best way for me to market my video. Um, and they're all about the properties that I'm selling. I don't, I don't do specific videos saying list with me. I'm saying buy this house. And they're so heavily watched that I get a whole bunch of people that recognize me that I've never met before, but they feel they know me because of the videos. And again, when I meet them, we, you know, we have a nice interaction. We chat. Um, and it's, it's amazing how, you know, midway through the conversation, they kind of admit that they actually are going to be doing something in three months, six months, a year. Um, and then you just kind of have to kind of retain that relationship and, and keep in contact with them until you actually get into an actual legit business conversation with them. So for me, a lot of it is, you know, the, the organic way that I end up meeting people and I treat everybody with respect. I genuinely like people. I end each of my videos with the, the phrase, um, you know, it would be an honor to serve you. And I, I believe that. I, I do feel that I'm so thankful for the people that I get to, to do business with. And it is an honor to deal with them. And I think that just kind of comes across and people want to deal with me as a result of it. I'm, I'm professional, but, and, you know, but I'm not, you know, tight i'm i'm genuine and i and i you know i really do love the people that i deal with i've i literally out of the hundreds of deals that i've done since i started um i can think of maybe two or three people that you know i didn't genuinely and thoroughly enjoy dealing with it's a stressful deal for these people and we have to recognize that um, and, you know, when they behave poorly, we need to recognize where that's coming from, not get our egos out of whack and just help hold their hand through the process and, and help them deal with the situation. And at the end of the day, when you're able to do that, they are so loyal and so thankful. It's ridiculous. And they, they're, you know, they're bragging to their friends about how they have to use you. And what better advertising can you get than that? It's uh, it's a huge blessing to be able to to have that scenario. And again, I'm, I'm in a, you know, relatively small area, um, you know, maybe in New York city or something that's a little bit harder to do, but I actually don't think it is people. Everybody knows people, um, you know, and if, if you make the right impact on people and genuinely try and help them as your first priority, they will, they will want to respond to that and help you back. So, you know, that's that's how do you, that's kind of who you, I am, and that's definitely been helpful. Have you ever uh, gone through – so, like, I'm hearing what you're saying, and it makes perfect sense. It's obviously what we tell all of our coaching clients to do, and you came to being a coaching client already knowing that you have to ask direct questions 
in order to get leads. You knew this from your past, you know, your background in sales. But so many agents, yep. the idea of asking the simple question you just gave them would basically cause them to probably just literally drop dead because they do not Which want to ask a question that. Well, they, so they just a simple question where you're asking if you could be of service to anyone that they know, that it would be an honor to help them or someone else they know buy or sell a house. Most agents are paralyzed in fear by asking a question where they could potentially hear the word no. Or and they just have all this head junk about, well, if I ask a question, then I'll seem desperate. Then I'll seem like, oh, my gosh, I'm just thinking about them for the sake of a real estate deal. Or this, all these conversations that start to happen when – you know, people start thinking, agents start thinking about themselves as salespeople and having to act like salespeople. So yeah. that's the reality. It's and it's sure like a bought- reciprocity thing. One of, the, one of the things that I did when I first got in the business is I bought these, you know, nice gold pens. Um, and it's, you know, it's got my name and address and, or phone number and website. Um, and, but it's a nice high-end looking pen. They cost me, I buy them by the thousand, literally. Um, and they cost me like $1.50. And I hand them out to just about everybody. If I go into a restaurant and I have a good a good meal, I'll give them a pen as a thank you. And, you know, people, they just stop and they look at it and they're like so amazed that they get this pen and they think it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, after you've given them something, they quite often want to respond to the fact that you were generous and gave them something for nothing. And that's when they, nine times out of ten, bring up, oh, my sister, or my mother, or whatever. And I don't even have to ask because I've, you know, I've been polite and thankful and given them something like these, like this pen. And in turn, they, they want to give back to me. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's not, I don't do it for that reason, but it's amazing how it just seems to work out. Um, And honestly, I don't spend, I don't know how many dollars I spend a year advertising me uh, rather than my listings, but it would be, it would be very, very, very little, less than 1% of my spend. And you know, I, um, the phone seems know, to ring. Oh, absolutely. Well, ultimately, whenever, and I know you've listened to a lot of these interviews, whenever we interview one of the you know top agents in the country or whatever, their business, some of the ones with the big teams, and I want to ask you about this. Julie, your coach, just texted me and told me to make sure I ask you about the fact that you don't have a team, which we'll, I want to talk about yeah. in a second. But, um, yeah, whenever we interviewed top agents in the country and by top agents it's not just production listeners it's not just the number of homes that they sold or it's not just somebody who you might know from you know being on tv or anything like that but what we focus on in our coaching organization are agents like john top agents are the agents who want to be of service to other people and frankly make the most net profit because that is the point of being in business the profit from your rather the product you have from selling real estate it's all the things that you would naturally normally think of, happy customers, sold houses, all that type of you know, feel-good stuff. But at the end of the day, the true product you have from selling real estate is profit. And if you don't have profit or if you're not you know, essentially running a profit-focused business, you're not going to have profit. Profit doesn't happen by accident. How many of you have convinced yourself that you really don't need to pay attention to your numbers because you just – figure you'll sell enough houses and it'll all work out. Well, how's that working out? It doesn't work out unless you enter into the business or at least unless you come around to realizing that this business will eat you alive. You will spend all the money you make unless you're putting profit first. And the best way to have a profit-focused business is to take your ego out of the equation. And if you're hearing what John's saying and how he's saying it, you're hearing that he's expressing the fact that he knows his highest and truest purpose is being service to other people.
people. That's what I'm hearing. That's the vibe that I'm getting. And when you approach the business like that, what you're going to quickly discover is that you will naturally, A, get business with a lot less stress because a lot of the stress does come from your own egos. But you're going to then have a more profitable business because you will not have to buy the business. This does take skill. Some of you are going to have a lot of head junk you need to clear out with regards to how you see yourself. John clearly sees himself as a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. Julie's a salesperson. Absolutely. The most successful I have people no in the shame, no shame are, in that at all. None. Well, I mean, but okay. If, if so, I was hiring yeah, a real estate agent, I would want a salesperson. I don't want a, a marketing professional or whatever we're tagging ourselves as. I want somebody that's going to get down and dirty and get, get somebody to buy my house. And for all the money it is and weird, for the though. least amount of aggravation and time. That's right, but it is weird, isn't it? Where the agents just will repel against the idea of calling themselves salespeople. Can you explain to me why? <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm the wrong guy. I I was a car salesman, and I'm not ashamed to admit, you know, I was for almost you know 27 to 30 years, and I I'm I'm proud of what I learned and the people that I met, and I'm I'm a salesperson. I have absolutely no concern branding myself as that. But, yeah, you, you talk about the profit and everything. And, and to me, I do track what I do. I, you, you had said something that kind of triggered that. I track my – like I have got a goal for my year. And in order for me to get my goal for the year, I have to break that down into what I need to do per month. And then I have to break that down into per week. Um, and I have to break that down into per day. And if I, need, I know I need to talk to so many people per day in order to get so many – you know, listings per week and per month to be able to sell the houses per year. It's all math. You know, it ebbs and flows with the way the market goes. But at the end of the day, it's just math. And if the market slows down and there's more days on market, then I know I need to, to get more listings because they're not going to sell as quick, which means I need to talk to more people. You know, how am I going to do that today? Do I do a bomb bomb video and send that out? Do I, you know, phone 10 people? There's a bunch of different ways to do that. You know, do I drop in at a busy place where I know I'm going to run into people, um, you know, and give away a few pens? Like, what do I do? But I know that sitting in my office or sitting in front of my TV, you know, watching Dr. Phil isn't going to make me money. So <laughs> that's for sure. Or going on it's Facebook. All, you got to break it yeah. all down. Well, exactly. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about, and, you know. Exactly. Well, you know, I read something interesting. Uh, somebody sent me this article because, you know, we make fun of all that social stuff because it is so silly. Guys, what social networking really at the end of the day is, look, it's useful, it's fun, um, and all that. But it's not going to get you into the end zone as far as running a successful business. It's just not. The only people that are running successful so social networking-based businesses are the ones that are selling uh, you on how to basically make money from supposedly selling social – you know, creating leads off social networking. In other words – they're creating sort of a myth for you to believe in so that you'll buy their product about how to build social networking. I mean, that really is, at the end of the day, how it's actually translating. And, and another fascinating trend that's in social networking is definitely a trend that's going to round the bend as far as the new shiny, pretty object that you know, salespeople gravitate towards. But in an era where a lot of people, they, they've lost the ability to communicate, not just people you know, in their 20s and whatnot, but even people that are older, they just cannot have a conversation with people because they've lost the ability to, to talk. They don't know how, and they've been, they've been so trapped in their own little bubble 
and it's been reinforced with all the things they read on social networking, and just they think they've literally just lost touch with reality. And one of the things that we strongly suggest all of you guys do, if you're finding yourself stuck in that paradigm, is have a media-free morning. Do this. Just I don't want to talk about it. Just go to timandjulieharris.com, and the search bar on the top, just put media-free morning. We've done a lot of podcasts on that. Um, and listen to the replays on that particular topic, because if you want a way to sort of clear your, the head junk out of your head, maybe the thing that you need to hear is that, is you need to purge all these outside influences and just focusing on your highest and truest purpose, which is being of service to other people. So you have really Absolutely. fantastic you have really fantastic production, you have really fantastic profit, and you have, I think Julie told me, one assistant. Is that true? Yeah, yes and no. So I've I've had one assistant since about six months after I started, so about four and a half years. She's very much at the beginning kind of part-time. I shared her with another agent, um, and she worked about a third of the time, I would say. Um, and then, we, you know, she kind of grew into the fact that she was working for me full-time. Um, and I've my daughter now has started with me in the summers when she was going to university as an assistant. She's brilliant with the, you know, the marketing and and doing the advertising and making them look pretty and all that type of stuff that I'm not as good at. Um, and and you know I'm I, I'm aware of that. But she's now in the process of getting her license. Um, and within I would say the next three months she will be you know working alongside me. And, you know, we're going to have to kind of restructure how we're, how we're doing things. But I have resisted the whole team thing um, because I see it for what it is. I, I recognize the extra effort and distraction that that would put on me in, in the respect of training. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, splitting commissions and costs and all that type of stuff. And if anything, I think that that would just, slow me down it might you know maybe i could sell another you know 20 houses a year or something and 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 be higher up on the the list of agents in canada or something but at the end of the day if that's not making me profit why would i do that and if and i do think it would distract me from what i love doing and that's dealing with the the clients and dealing with the people so for me it's a bit of an integrity breach to to go on a listing appointment and sell them on you know, dealing with me and then handing everything off to someone else who, in my opinion, wouldn't survive in real estate without the the team leader. And I know that sounds really harsh, but to me, that's where my headspace is. And I just, I struggled with it. Um, you know, so in, in my world, I've, you know, I've resisted that. Um, and I don't have any aspirations of going up into some big team and, you know, and taking on that extra, level of responsibility and you know extra cost and trying to find leads for a bunch of extra people um but you know obviously when it's my daughter that's a totally different story and i really think we can complement one another really well and she has you know watched and learned for the past three or four years while she's here in the summer and you know her instincts are my instincts i think she'll be a you know, a really good extension of what we're already doing and bring a more youthful run to it. You know, I'm 52. So it's, you know, she, she definitely knows a lot of things and, and, and languages that I don't even know as far as, you know, the whole, you know, tech world and all that type of thing. So I think that's going to be really helpful. Here's an interesting fact about teams guys. And we're going to have somebody coming up, uh, I think in January, his name is Don Yoakum. 
and he has done an absolute more research than Julie and I have on essentially uh, the team business model and the parallels with just a traditional brokerage are uncanny. In essence, they're unprofitable. And when you look at uh, just to underline the research that he sent to me that we'll be talking about on the podcast, and again, we're going to break this down on the future show. The essence of it is, is if you were to, you know, if Bob has a team and he has six buyers agents and he has all these, you know, support assistants and all the rest of it, if you take Bob's personal production out of it, you're going to see that team absolutely positively doesn't make any money. As a matter of fact, it loses money. In other words, Bob's personal production is what keeps the business afloat. That's it. So the buyer side transactions that he's pushing through are just paying for themselves. So it's money that's just coming in and going back out. He's not making any profit from it. So then you ask yourself, well, Tim, what are you talking about? Everybody tells me I need to form a team or be part of a team. It's because they're motivation behind telling you that is not in alignment with you making profit. And you need to be very clear about that. Um, you know, just to break this down, make this really simplistic for all of you. Let's say you have a team that makes a million dollars in commissions. That's great in any market, no doubt. But the average, you know, if you compare that, say, same sale price, same, you know, similar market, and then you compare that to, say, somebody who sells, let's say, you know, they make $300,000. The person making $300,000 with, say, one assistant is actually going to have a greater net profit than the person who made a million with a team. And this is the thing that a lot of you guys are confused about because nobody's telling you. Um, nobody's actually exposing the truth about these numbers. So the bottom line is the team business model is a really, really bad business model, assuming your goal is to make profit. Um, and which I hope all of your goal, you, that is, you know, the, the profit motivation is what's going to drive all your other decisions. If you're profit motivated, you're going to say, I am a salesperson. If you're profit motivated, you're going to say, I am going to figure out how to be the best salesperson I can be. If you're profit motivated, you're actually going to say, you know what, I'm doing this out of, I love what he said, integrity and the love for being able to be service to other people. That's if you're profit motivated. Otherwise, it's a lot of ego stuff. And you're going to yeah. hear more about this on the interview I'm going to do with Don. Well, it is confusing. I, truthfully, when I talk about this, half the time I feel bad because I know, well, I know that there's people that are listening that just they don't understand. They got their licenses, they joined some brokerage, they got beat over the head with, you know, you got to form this team, you got to add staff, and this is your way forward in the real estate business. And nobody ever slows them down and asks them, well, why did you get in this business? Did you get in this business just to be famous, or did you get in this business to be rich? Um, and, and I you think know, profit the brokerage, for a lot of people, yeah. and I, I went through this where profit, you know, I, from running businesses, I get the fact that profit's a crucial piece of the puzzle or you're not going to be around. But for me, I want to serve people desperately as best I can, and the proceeds of doing that is profit. And, the, yep. you know, the income that I'm making now is far superior to anything that I've ever made, but I can be so generous with that now. And the, the you know the things that I'm on the boards of and the places that I volunteer and all that type of thing, I can give generously to those, and it makes me feel really good. And then all of a sudden, it it comes back to me again, where because I'm doing those things, I'm meeting more people, and you know it's this it's this really cool circle, um, you know where where things you do the right thing and the right thing comes out of it type of scenario. But yeah, I think I I was definitely uncomfortable with profit and, you know, dealing with Julie and you and listening to all the, you know, different podcasts and stuff have really helped me be able to, you know, come to terms with speaking it. Um, But it doesn't, it doesn't, 
it, 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 it has to be about profit at the end of the day, but it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to look at every deal and say, how much am I making? I don't do that at all. It's like, can I help these people? You know, and, and if I do that, then all of a sudden there's profit. And it's like, oh, that's cool. That's well, the, the way profit, it should work. Yeah, the profit conversation that you all should have internally, it, the, your filter, pertains just to what John just said. It doesn't pertain to looking at every customer as a dollar sign, which I know some of, some of you are just hearing that because that's what you want to hear. Well, the relevance of this and how you actually use this type of thinking is when you're thinking about things to spend money on. Okay, That's exactly. where the conversation about profit has to come in, and that's where you cut – off the legs of ego, bad-making, shiny object decision-making, you see? So the profit conversation, we're not trying to basically have you just essentially look at your customers as you know, just walking dollar signs. That's not at all what we're saying. What we're saying is run a profit-focused business because then you can actually have a, a, a filter in place where you're going to start asking yourself, why am I thinking about doing this thing? Is it for the sake of making a profit? Because if it's for the sake of making a profit, that means this social networking, whatever, whatever thing I'm thinking about doing, there has to be a direct correlation between effort and results. In other words, I spend a dollar on this. I better be making you know, $5, $10 back, and not within the future, maybe someday, somehow, but I want to be seeing that result immediately. And if whatever you're thinking about buying cannot produce those types of – you can't hold it to accountable to a, a similar standard, then it's probably just a bunch of goofiness that is designed to essentially placate your desire not to have to put yourself in a position to hear no. In other words, it's just ego crap. And that's mm-hmm. if you've not come from a deep business background, you're not going to understand that. And everywhere you turn and every book you read, they're talking about your team culture and form your team and your branding and your websites and your online presence and your social networking. If you don't come from a business background, you're going to think that's normal. It's not. That's not how real business people think. That's how people trying to sell you crap you know, think. Yep. That because those products was, are easy I to sell. I was chatting with another huge team guy in our area, and it it turns out I made about twenty percent less commissions than him in the past year. And w- when you look at that, and you know they've got five or six mouths to feed, I've got you know one plus a, a couple assistants. You know it just they can't be profitable. They just can't. They're not. Yeah. It just makes no well, sense. Let's, let's talk about this. You know, we've been talking a lot about profit. I think um, this podcast is going to be very beneficial, especially this time of year, for anybody that's essentially wondering what direction they should go with their business in the next you know, two to three years. This type of thinking, guys, it's what's going to make you rich. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer work for your money. Um, you are very good at holding uh, accountable the things you spend money on. You've had Julie as your personal coach for I don't know how many years. Talk about that decision. Talk about hiring Julie Harris as your personal coach. Talk about how you can see how you can see a return yeah. on that investment. Because coaching is not something you can necessarily see a direct correlation between effort and results. And yet, she obviously has been your coach forever. Right. So, I obviously spent a lot of money on a lot of things, and that you know, Julie by far has been one of the best investments that I've made. Um, you know, having that accountability, um, there's been a couple times where I'm, you know, deep in the weeds on something where I just need somebody to talk me off the cliff, um, you know, and, and somebody who has the background to say, you know, I just had somebody, you know, that had that similar situation and they did this. How would that, you know, in this particular case, how would that work out? Um, and, you you know, you can't just necessarily get that anywhere. As far as advanced 
knowledge of different things. Like I'll phone her up and I'll say, oh my goodness, you know, this is what's happening in our area. And she'll say, oh yeah, no, I've heard that several other places, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's not just me. Um, and there's so it's, there's a piece that comes from being able to have someone that, you know, can kind of talk to you on that level. And I mean, to be brutally transparent, I, I struggle sometimes with, you know, the income that I'm making and, you know, some of the, the uh, accolades and all those types of things. And, you know, she helps me deal with that and I can talk to her and, and I don't feel like I'm being arrogant or boastful or whatever when I'm talking about any of those types of things because she's dealing with people that make me look like a, a school kid. Like, you know, I'm a joke compared to a lot of the people you coach. And in well, turn, let's drill, that's, John, that's good for John, me. let's drill down it's what you just said. Well, but let's drill down what you just said, because I think that's going to be misinterpreted. What he just said, listeners, okay. is that he's making more money. He's, he's making <laughs> – I don't – again, I know you're Canadian, so you're going to be humble by nature. Um, wow. But he is, he is more, getting more attention, making more money. He's become very successful in his world, and Julie helps to keep him on the rails. Because sometimes, especially in real estate, we will give really too much ego-boosting stuff too quick to too, too many people. And that causes them to essentially, again, fall prey to a lot of the ego stuff. And that's kind of what you're expressing. I, I, I think that's yep. what I'm hearing you say, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and telling me that it's okay. You know, sometimes I, I don't have a ton of friends and people that I, you know, deal with on a day-to-day basis that, that I could have a conversation about some of these types of things because they just wouldn't understand. So, you know, it's, I, I think it's really a crucial thing that you can have somebody that's a peer, but, you know, that's 100% in your corner um, and will tell you the hard truth. There's a few times where she's like, you know, slapping around and said, no, you, you, you know, you're fluffing. You, you, you said you were going to do this. It's been a week or two and you haven't done it. So, you know, what, what's going to happen the next week when we talk? What are you going to have done? And, you know, she's firm. And sometimes you need that because you are working for yourself and sometimes things are going pretty good and you think, ah, you know, maybe I can slack off. But you can't slack off because you're going to have a real downfall two months, three months from now when you don't have a paycheck. That's right. So that it's, is it's been really good. And, and honestly, yeah. the podcast, I listened to the podcast for at least a year before I ever called in um, and got my free coaching call. And I learned so much from all the different radio programs. And I'm not trying to, you know, plug the, the program, but the fact that you guys do that for free, um, you know, I've refer, I've told several new agents that are coming in to just start listening to your podcast. Don't spend money on anything yet. Start listening to the podcast and you'll hear, um, you know, a million things that are really helpful from what not to do to what to do and, and hear from people that have done it. I, I think that's invaluable and it's free. That's right inside my price range. I love that. <laughs> well, cheap. you know, here's here's the thing is that you right now are part of that tradition that I really appreciate you appreciating. You know, you now are contributing to the formation or maybe the realignment with a lot of people. There's there's so many agents out there that are coming out of this in in the United States. I know in your in your country too. But there's so many agents that have only come up during what was really maybe the last big seller's market of our lives. 
you know, who knows right. what's going to happen over the next couple of years. But there has been so many people that have gotten real estate licenses over the past few years and have felt like they're successful because, well, guys, listen, the houses have been selling themselves. If you just price it reasonably well and you put it in the MLS, for the most part, it has sold itself. That is the reason why so many of these gimmicky ideas have entered into our industry is because so many of you guys are making so much money, and the money is then basically flowing to your ego and flowing to things that they're telling you you're supposed to be doing. And again, if you were to use the formula or use the filter that John and I suggested, then you'd be back in alignment with why you originally got your real estate license. And, and that's really what I hope all of you guys are listening to. And, and, I'll, and again, I'm, I humbly accept your, your praise for the show and for our coaching services. But listeners, this is the reason mm. that Julie and I do this podcast. This is the reason that Julie and I have our coaching business, because for three different cycles, we've been coaching agents. And as a lot of you do or maybe don't know, Julie and I were successful selling real estate for almost a decade ourselves between selling 100 and 200 houses a year. But what really drives us at this point and John, I'm 50 in March, by the way. <laughs> what really drives us at this, at this point, and John, you understand what I'm saying when I say this, is because we want to help as many of you avoid the immense amount of hardship that you're going to experience if you're not prepared to the adjustments in the market, which are absolutely taking place. Um, and if you are continuing to try to perpetuate these bad, bro- broken business models, which a lot of you are, you're not just going to needlessly suffer for yourself, but you're also going to cause your family to suffer. Or more importantly, you're going to cause the future version of yourself to suffer. You heard John say if he knows if he stops producing, stops generating leads, that it's not going to be adversely affect him right away. It's two or three months from now. That's part of the things that we teach you in, in the real estate coaching, in our coaching business. And by the way, he also mentioned a free coaching call. So here's what I want to do for all of you guys. First of all, all of you need to be completing your real estate treasure map. And all you've got to do is text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. We're going to text you directly back, uh, an opportunity for you to schedule your free coaching call, and also links to download seven free books. The one I want you to download now is the Real Estate Treasure Map. That's going to walk you through, and Julie wrote about 90% of this herself, you know, probably 12 years ago, but it's incredibly relevant. Obviously, it's a business plan. It's a fill-in-the-blank business plan. It's going to walk you through all the questions and thoughts you need to have so you can actually create your own future around profit, around being of service to other people. All you've got to do is text the word Harris, H. R-R-I-S to 31996. And also, listeners, I know some of you uh, want to skip that step and you want to talk to uh, us about uh, you know, private coaching services. And here's what I'm going to do. I think actually Julie has got three spots open in her schedule. I'll have to check. But if you're interested in hiring Julie, for example, to be your personal coach, I want you to text me directly at 512. This is my actual cell phone number, 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. So, John Walkinshaw, listen, I really appreciate, um, I appreciate your support of our business. I appreciate your mindset. I love listening to you talk because you, you, you are well entrenched in the Harris, Harris parlance, which I always like yep. to hear. You know, yep, I drank it, the Kool-Aid. It, it, it's you guys are amazing, and I sure appreciate it. I know, I think I would have done okay without you guys, but I'm definitely at the level I'm at because of you guys, and I sure appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you, sir. And if you uh, would like to extend an op, uh, a way for them to communicate directly with you, that's your call. If you'd like to give them your yep. contact, email, phone number, whatever, go ahead. Yep, more than happy. If anyone wants to reach out to me, my cell phone number is five one nine. 
Um, and again, that's myself. So if they could text or call, I'm more than happy to to help any way I can. And if you happen to be a seller in John's market and you stumbled across this podcast, you know, trying to decide which agent in your marketplace you're going to hire, I uh, don't. I, I. It is impossible for you to find anybody more sincerely caring and knowledgeable than John Walkinshaw. So please do absolutely hire him as your listing agent. He's fantastic. He's one of Julie's favorite coaching clients ever. I know I probably shouldn't say that, but it's still true. <laughs> so John, uh, thank you very much. Ways. And then, yeah, North Toronto is my area. If any agents have anybody moving to the area, for sure. There you so go. So John, I really appreciate your time. Awesome. Uh, God thank bless you. everyone. That's our pleasure. And God bless everyone. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. Thank you, John. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.